0: Well, I think this is one episode where the viewers are going to just want to be listeners because <laughs> what am I looking at? Explain not only to the people who are watching this, but especially to the people listening, what in the hell you're wearing?
1: Well, I mean, my Indiana jacket. Sure. And my Indiana skull cap. Very nice. Are you
0: are you skiing right now? Are you about to go oh, snowboarding? Oh, the
1: glasses. Yes. So... Um, yeah, yesterday was Valentine's Day. Happy late Valentine's Day, happy belated Day. Valentine's Day, happy belated to all Hoosier faithful out there. What did you do for Valentine's Day?
0: Uh, we drove up the Pacific Coast Highway, we got some really good coffee/slash hot cocoa, and then we walked along a, a very beautiful, stormy, gray beach that somebody had dug a huge hole in. So my children pretended that they were wrestling each other into a Sarlacc pit for mm-hmm. the, I don't know, uh, may- maybe the middle hour of our stroll on the beach. For those of you who aren't total nerds, the Sarlacc pit is the, the desert mouth hole that Boba Fett falls into at the end of Return of the Jedi. Um, it was very romantic.
1: It sounds it. Uh, here's what I did. Um, nothing. I did get Holly some flowers. Nice. And she got me these glasses. <laughs> and for those of you who can't see, they are badass, uh, red, Hoosier red outline mm-hmm. glasses with a thick, thick foam eye insert inside of them that seals your eyes. Now, you might be asking, what are these for? Because they're just clear lens. There's not prescription. And they're not two, sunglasses.
0: I have two guesses.
1: You got two guesses? All right, go for it. What's number one?
0: One, uh, could they maybe help your eyes with the blue light because you're looking at screens all day? Because my no. daughter has those. No? No. Okay. The other one is, do they keep out COVID from getting into your eyeballs?
1: No. Really? But that would be good. Okay. And that would be appropriate because Holly thinks I'm just out there asking for COVID. So neither one of those things. Here's the Valentine's Day gift she got me. Oh, I got a third guess. Go.
0: Onions, cutting onions. That's what they are.
1: (laughs) I cry like a baby, two slices in. Two slices into any onion. (laughs) Two slices in. And I've tried running water. I've, you know, whatever. I've tried looking away. I'm trying to behind my back. I cry like a baby and I'm out of commission for like 25 minutes. Every time I cut an onion, I'm just done. I'm just done. She bought me onion glasses. Now I haven't tested them yet.
0: I, I mean, they better work. They uh-huh. look industrial strength.
1: They are, man. So I'm going to test them out. Uh, today i think i'm gonna make some dish that includes onions and i'm gonna see how they work but i'm hopeful because if so it's a game changer for me
0: yeah, changer. yeah we we did have a pair in our household but we didn't really need them annie never really cuts onions she doesn't like onions they don't it doesn't phase me as much as it used to but I will tell you they also did not look as cool as yours.
1: <laughs> and, and look, I think this tells you everything you need to know about how tough I am. <laughs> that my girlfriend for Valentine's Day gave me onion glasses. <laughs> and by the way, here's what's great. She gave me these after like a week and a half, two weeks ago, we got into a pretty heavy conversation because in my head, I have convinced myself and I thought she was on board with this, that Valentine's Day is a hallmark holiday that we don't need to celebrate. Sure. And so I've never done anything for Valentine's Day. hmm Well, it came to my attention a week and a half ago because she told me that she never said that and it pisses her off that I don't do anything on Valentine's Day. <laughs> so I got her this great big bouquet with her favorite flower. I mean, I remembered what her favorite flower was. Which is? It's a... Uh, it's hard to pronounce i think it's a a, it's an anemone i think that's a sea creature i think it's a it is a flower too okay it's an anemone (laughs) it's something like that i got her this big bouquet it got delivered we were sitting outside on sunday we were Mm. sitting outside smoking a cigar she was having a cup of coffee it's beautiful And this delivery man came up with this giant bouquet of flowers and handed them to me to give to her. And she was floored by it. And then we went inside and she gave me onion glasses.
0: (laughs) That's love. That's love. I'll tell you this. I never have to get Annie flowers. She's, yeah, that's got the foam seal. Those are good. Why don't you have to get Annie flowers? Annie does not like flowers. They remind her that everything dies.
2: Mm.
3: Fair giving enough.
0: her a gift of flowers it's morbid it makes her think of death
1: doesn't just talking to a human do that also
0: i mean i just carry you around the weight of death i don't need i don't need something dying in front of me you Don't need the lighter. symbol
1: i get that well good for you um yeah. so anyway chocolate that's what that's what we do here we do chocolate so that was valentine's day that was the reason for the glasses i just wanted to share that with everybody one follow-up on the glasses sure
0: if you are wearing them after watching Indiana play in Columbus, does it keep you from crying,
1: or do you still cry? <clears throat> you just drown because <laughs> they're airtight. So you go, you eye drown, you eye drown. <laughs> um, before we get that, I want to start with something positive. Okay. I want to talk a little football. Yeah, I knew it had to be football if it was positive. So there's been a couple great developments in football. For real. The the defensive coordinator is awesome. Like getting a guy from the SEC who left Georgia. Granted, it's a step up. It's the defensive coordinator job instead of a position coach. But Indiana was never getting position coaches from the SEC to come. And let not – I mean, we're talking about a top program in the SEC, Georgia. That's awesome. The running back coach and the associate head coach, by the way. He is now the associate head coach of Indiana, Dylan McCullough. This dude – has been in the Super Bowl the last two years with the Kansas City Chiefs. Before that, was with, did he have another stop in the NFL before the Chiefs? I felt like he might have been in Arizona or something, oh, but I, I don't remember. SC. He left Indiana oh, way yeah, back. Oh, yeah, SC. That's what I was, he was at SC? He came back to Indiana from the NFL to be the running back coach and associate head coach. This is a third deck home run. And I want to point out, the money they are paying this guy, the money they are paying Charlton, it's huge increases over what they were paying Kane C- Womack and Mike Hart, two people that everybody thought were home runs. Mm-hmm. In a pandemic year, Scott Dolson, who told us, we are stepping on the gas with football. We are going to keep investing in it, right? We're going to yep. keep throwing resources at it. He has put his money where his mouth is, and These this are is big deals.
0: And and we know that that extension that is inevitably coming from Tom, uh, for Tom Allen has not occurred yet because it doesn't need to. But this is this is a huge part of keeping Tom Allen is stepping up to pay for the guys he needs around him to keep competing at the top level.
1: That's exactly right. And to do that, he is banking Scott Dolson on Indiana fans supporting the program. That is the truth. They are all banking on, not just the money you get from bowl games, which clearly will be more than we got over the last 10 years, Mm -hmm. because we're gonna make some bowl games. Yeah. You know, merchandise sales will go up. But the single biggest revenue stream that we need in Indiana to keep the resources flowing are increased ticket sales. And today, just before i got on this podcast our deposit turned into a full purchase all right proud owners of two season tickets to indiana football of which we will be giving away every game but one but one we're gonna go to one game but every other game we're gonna give away for free we're gonna announce as we get closer to the games hold on i'm outside and there's a can you hear that the helicopter how bad is it
0: Oh, not terribly. It's just audible. I could still hear what you're saying. Okay.
1: Um, we're going to give away tickets. There's only one requirement. You have to take board ward with you <laughs> to the game. And you have to take a picture. And then we have to post it. But we will be giving those away as we get into you know late summer and closer to the fall. We will divulge how we're going to give those tickets away. But two tickets to every game. And I'm telling you, if you are a fan of Indiana football, if you want better things for Indiana football, this isn't one of those things about like a, some kind of like hippie dippy, just support them. No, 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 no. Financially, they need our money. They need more butts in seats, more parking revenue, more concessions revenue, more merchandise sales. That starts with us supporting the team and buying tickets to the game. So we did two tickets. We hope everyone else out there does two tickets.
0: Well, and that really starts with the team winning. As Tom Allen said, if we win, they're going to show up. They're going to be there. He did his part. Now now we got to come through for him, okay? He, he did that without anybody in the stands. Imagine, imagine how strong we're going to be when the Buckeyes come to town in the fall with all y'all having bought your season tickets and there in full-throated support.
1: And imagine what that does for recruits that will be coming to games hopefully at some point, you know, in the fall.
0: Well, and, and just for there to be more Indiana fans than Buckeye fans, which has not usually been the case.
1: No, it hasn't. It, it will all have a meaningful impact on the success of this program. I did a little research before this. Okay. Uh, when it came to recruiting, we have heard over and over again, you know, just we've talked about it. the the discrepancy between the top teams and indiana in the past when it comes to recruiting we've just been playing with basically one maybe two arms tied behind our back when it came to town we also know that the way that classes are ranked in football is largely a function of how many people are in the class right so a class of 20 people that is like an average three-star might rank ahead of a class of 10 people that average a four-star. Every player gets a rating, zero to a hundred, okay? Mm-hmm. So really the more accurate way to look at, are you increasing the talent level is what is the average player rating that you are getting? So I just wanted to do a little research. I'm gonna read you some numbers. Okay. I went back as far as our reliable statistics on 24-7, 24/7 okay? okay, which is about 20 years great 20 years ago the average player that indiana got 77.54 now i'm just going to rattle them from 20 years ago till now okay 77.54 which is by, back when you and i were finishing our time at indiana this is cam cameron still so. yes 77.54 78.07 77.56 77.05 78.25 80.45, 81.236, 82.34, 82.68, 81.13, 82.42, 83.35, 82.35, 83.78, 83.67. And now we start to get into Tom Allen years. 83.19, 84.9, 85.77, 85.0. And the class coming in in 2021, 866 Wow, highest it has ever been and 20 years ago it was at 77 he has increased from 83.19 and 84.9 to 86.6 that may not seem like a huge increase but it is i mean it is it is a steady increase in the talent level that he's bringing in and that is freaking exciting man that is really exciting
0: we all have seen what he can do with lesser talent. And then when you combine it with the obvious love and joy and belief that's in that locker room and translates out onto that field, we know we already feel like we're going to start seeing these recruits. You know, it would be interesting to find out what if any commitments have been made since oh, say everybody is running off the field and hugging him on
1: camera well, the big one that came in at this last signing period, you know, because they have a, am I, a winter signing period or a fall signing period, and then they just had another one a couple of weeks ago. And the big addition was this guy, Malachi Bennett, who's a receiver and athlete, who's a four-star. Yeah, the Alabama kid, right? Yeah, that He was not committed to Indiana before, and yeah. he committed to Indiana. Clearly, it had impact on him.
2: Because...
0: So- I, you know, I could just see, you know, that, that keeping it, it going to keep moving up because you everybody knows, I even just read an article on like some other publication with national college football guys. And they're all like Indiana's for real again, this year, they're all still kind of waiting and seeing if we can keep Tom Allen, but they're like, as long as he's there, these guys are legit. And so to me, I feel like, Oh, we could, we could start pushing up towards 90 over the next two or three seasons if if the trend keeps going this way. Because I, I just don't – those numbers made it very clear what the trend has been even since he got there. But I feel like just with this season, there should be the most noticeable spike, right? Because all, all that improvement has basically been his sheer – Force of personality and will his his magnetism in the room which is a huge element but but no results then it becomes hey we're a top 10 team in the country and these players and these locker room footage are just gushing with how much they love being here I think the next couple of years that number should do something pretty fun again
1: and just to put it in some context Ohio State who is Alabama you know they are yeah they're at 94.52 for the 2021 class. Michigan, 90. Wisconsin, 89. And then you're down to like 87. You know, you're at 87 for several teams. Penn State, Maryland, Nebraska, Iowa are all in the 87 range. And we are just under that at 86.6, you know, whatever I said that now, 86.6, just under that with all the handicaps that you talked about because the 2021 class is not seeing the bump right so many of that so many of them happened before but could 2022 get to that mid 87s where you're now in the top 5 6 in the conference that these are this is an exciting time for IU football
0: <laughs> can we just go right to the interview now
1: no we can't we can't we can't. So let's I mean yeah, look, what do you want to I mean there's I mean, I, I've got, got one a, area that I want to unpack a little bit. Two actually, two, but but I'll let you start. What what do you want to do on basketball? You know,
0: we can get granular, but at the thirty thousand foot view, it's it's I'm looking right before we jumped on, I looked at net rankings, I looked at AP, I looked at coaches poll. and, and now the AP and coaches will list up to 45 or 40 in coaches, 45 and AP. Maybe I have that mixed around. Or maybe it was just there was like three tied in the AP, so they had more. We didn't appear in either one of those, which of course makes sense. in the net ranking, we're 51st. Now the mo I mean that's painful enough. In a vacuum, that is so painful for where our program is. But then when you look up at the very top of those lists and you see three teams in our conference whose coaches have been there the same amount of time or less time, and they're in the top five. Who's less time? Juwan Howard. Oh, oh, yeah. Sorry. You're right. So you look, you look at, at where Holtman, where Underwood, and where Howard's at, and that's right at the very top. That's like top five, top six, and all three of those polls. And there's no reason to think, unless one or two of those guys end up coaching in the pros, that they're not going to keep their programs there year in and year out.
1: Yeah. So let's hit this because it's one of the areas I wanted to go with. Look, I'm sure there are people now that are going to say, well, there are reasons for it. Okay. When we were doing these comparisons to Holtman last year or even the year before, or Brown, or or, um, what's his name at? at, uh,
0: Brad Underwood.
1: Yeah, Underwood. Or Jawan, Everybody says, well, Juwan was given a program that was in the best shape it had ever been in from John Bieland. So they discount that comparison. Okay. Underwood got two NBA studs in Io and Kofi, and convince them both to come back and not enter the draft. Had they had they entered the draft, they would have been where we are, probably. Maybe even below us. So, people discount that. And they say, well, what's he going to be in two, three years? I mean, I don't have a firm handle on I- Illinois' recruiting, so I don't know. But they discount that. And Holtman, they discount by saying, well, Crean left us in such bad shape. And Ohio State had talent. Like, when, when Holtman took the over, Wessons. they had... They had the Westons, and they had uh, Bates Diop who was was an awesome player. So they discount that to all make excuses. And I know they won't call it excuses, but that's what they are for where we are. Okay. So I've been kind of consumed with that. I found another example. There is a team. (laughs) There is a team that has zero basketball history. They play in shitty facilities. They have no natural recruiting advantages for their geographical area. They do not win. They do not play a fun style of basketball. And they had a new coach take over five years ago. He took over a program that the year before he took it over, they were ranked 275th in the country, according to Ken Bob. Indiana, when Archie took it over, Crean left us the 41st ranked team. And granted, that team was filled with Thomas Bryant and OG and Blackman, and they left. But take those away, Indiana is still not 275.
3: This guy's free over, throw shooting.
1: Right, <laughs> yeah, exactly. He took over the 275th ranked team, and in year one brought them up into the 100s. They were three and 15 in the Big Ten his first two years. They were, I think, seven and 11 his third year. They were 11 and nine his fourth year Mm -hmm. and a shoe in for the tournament. And here they are this year in his fifth year on pace to equal that or do a little bit better. That team is Rutgers. So if you want to excuse the Holtman, Jawan Howard, Underwood comparison, What possible explanation can you have that Steve Peichel, who none of us knew who he was and most still don't. I'm glad you just pronounced it out loud for me because I wasn't quite sure how to say that. Ward, I have no idea if that's how you pronounce it. (laughs) None, no idea. But how in the world can any reasonable fan just take a, a half step back and go, so he can rebuild rutgers in four years to not rebuild build build he can build rutgers from zero from 275th in the country with no talent left over into basically a lock for the ncaa tournament and finishing above finishing in the top half or close to the top half of the big 10 in years four and five and we cannot I don't know where the reasonable argument would be to tell a fan, don't worry about that, that you can't think about that. I, I just, it is, it's baffling. It is absolutely baffling how that can happen there and all those other places and not here.
0: Well, and I'm guessing, I haven't looked over Rutgers roster over the last few years, but they didn't have a Romeo Langford a Juwan Morgan, a Trace Jackson Davis, a Robert Johnson. I mean, I'm, I'm just looking purely at five stars that are, you know, if not already in the NBA probably will be it's, you can't, you can't. and, And that argument goes to a certain degree to the previously mentioned teams too. Like, yes, there were pros and are pros on Ohio state, Michigan, Illinois, but to say, it's just this huge talent disparity. One, I don't think is accurate Two. Well, then recruiting's a problem too. You know, it's not just what's happening on the court, it's getting the players
1: onto the court. If I'm not mistaken, Archie has had the number one recruit in the conference each of the last three years Romeo, Trace, Christian. Correct. So that part is baffling. And then I just have been consumed with why. Why isn't it working? And you're right, we could go granular and talk about free throw shooting. We could talk about three-point shooting, although when you look at three-point shooting, it's not the issue really, it really isn't. You could look at a lot of different things, but something happened at the post-game that I wanted to get into, that I think is worth getting into. And that's Trace Jackson Davis's post-game press conference. Did you watch it? Uh, I saw your text about it. I, I know where this is going. Look, Trace Jackson Davis came out, was asked a question, a fair question about what Archie said in his press conference, where Archie said in the press conference that Ohio State was just too tough for us. They were just tougher. Now, I don't understand how that's not got nothing to do with talent, by the way, nothing. Trace was asked about that. And clearly Trace wanted to answer it because what Trace's response was, and I don't know, Ward, maybe on the video one you can actually put in a clip sure. of him saying it.
0: Yeah, Trace, Coach just spent a lot of time talking
2: about how physical Ohio State is as a, as a team. As a player that just came out of that game, what does that mean to you? Like what what stands out about what Ohio State was doing that was physical?
3: Most um, actually, um, they were um, getting their spots on the floor. Um, their guards were crashing big time. Um, the post players were getting underneath position on us. And um, at the end of the day, um, I know my teammates. Um, they can, at the end of the game, we got called soft. I know me and my teammates are soft, and um, all we got to do is work harder and just push forward for the next game.
1: Trace takes that thread and says, look, at the end of the game, we were me and my teammates were called soft. And I don't, th- I don't agree with that. We're not soft. Clearly what happened there was at the end of the game or somewhere at the end of the game, Archie Miller called them soft in a timeout in a, in a meeting and trace took exception to that and wanted to voice that publicly. And he did. So I have several problems with that. Number one, and I give this credit to Evan Martin at community cars in Bloomington and surrounding areas. He did say, look, only The only players that get offended by being called soft are players that might be soft. (laughs) Like if you're not soft, you just let the play do it. Now I'm not calling Trey soft. I wanna be clear about that. That's not my problem with this. My problem with it is good coaches of good teams and good programs call their teams at various points, all kinds of names, much worse than soft. Let's be honest. Landon Turner told us the story of Bobby Knight calling him the P word and pulling his pants down to check to see if he had balls. Wow. Wow. Landon Turner didn't get in front of a microphone or go find a journalist to complain and argue with the coach about that. My point is if there was a tight relationship between our coach and our players, we never hear that from Trace Jackson Davis. Quiet guys. And the fact that we did, to me, speaks to some disconnect that exists between our team and our coaching staff. And when you look at these other programs that have done better, there is a cohesion between the coaches and the players that let you understand that these players would lay down in traffic for that coach and vice versa. And I don't see that existing at any point in these last four years. And that might be a bigger issue than being a poor free throw shooting team. It might be a bigger issue than the offense being mechanical and tight. All those are problems, but these guys don't even seem connected. And so I have no problem with Archie Miller calling his team soft, none, zero. I have no problem with Trace Jackson Davis being upset by that. Bringing it to the public in the form of a press conference and making a point to bring that out brings to light a bit of a disconnect that I just think is indicative of something that we've never even explored as being a potential issue. And you start to think like, well, could that be why Archie hasn't connected to some of these recruits? that he's lost kind of neck and neck battles with, that his relationship just isn't as good as these other guys. Is that just not a tool in the bag that Archie has? Um, I I keep
0: going back to, I believe it was the DJ Carton recruitment. I know it was somebody we wanted and Ohio state got, and I can't imagine it was anybody besides Carton where he described the family atmosphere, like the way Holtman, how warm he was, and how he brought him in to this family feeling. And, you know, the day and age we're living in, it seems like that's a pretty big deal to players. And I get it. It was like when I was in Bloomington, and I ended up pledging a fraternity, it's because like, I knew one of the guys there from high school. And it was some guys on my dorm floor who wanted to go. And I'm like, Oh, this feels good. This feels like my friends and my family. I, I want to go here. I could go here to where my dad went or over here, over here, but this, this feels someplace I can be comfortable and I can be me. And with Archie, one of the things everybody was speaking about as a positive, he's just a basketball guy, just basketball, 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 but whether it's connecting with a recruit or inspiring or somehow doing some psychological noodling with your team to get them to go out on the floor and not get their ass kicked in the first five or 10 minutes of every game. There's something going on. That's not getting the most out of their, these players consistently very inconsistently, you know, it's like, Hey, do I want to go play for this guy? Cause I feel like he's going to look out for me, not just on the court, but like as a human being, like, is there, is there a, a, a human there beyond the basketball court or is it all X's and O's? And, and then when you're talking about a bunch of kids, you know, I get it. Once you get to the professional level, there's no rah, rah, go out and do your job. You're getting paid millions of dollars, but these are kids They're at college. A lot of them aren't going to play professionally, or if they are, it's not going to be for a lot of money in the NBA. And when you look over at what Tom Allen is doing with a bunch of football players that are absolutely not going to be playing professionally, but are so far exceeding their expectations, who come out of that locker room on fire and from the gun take it to the other opponent. I think when sometimes we shoot well, sometimes we don't, sometimes we defend well, sometimes we don't, there's no consistency at all to point to on the the court really about what the issue is four years running. It's something about the sum not being greater than the parts.
1: I, I totally agree. I, you know, Mick Cronin who we're more exposed to because he's the UCLA head coach and UCLA does not have a lot of talent. You know they're they're trying to get it together. Alfred did not leave them with the cupboard full, if you will. Their
0: best player got hurt this year,
1: so that's what I was going to bring up. They're like number two or maybe three now in, in the Pac-12. They're borderline making the NCAA tournament. It's only year two.
0: I mean they're they're still well in the tournament now. They're borderline top twenty-five, top thirty. Are they well in the tournament?
1: Well, I, I think in
0: most of those rankings they're like low
1: thirties because in the net i think they're like 49 or something.
0: Let's see. Uh, I can see right now in the AP poll UCLA is okay 37, 35 in the coaches poll and in the net I got it. This is right here. Um in the net they're 48. Okay, yeah, they're slumming it down with this is who UCLA slumming it with right now. UC Santa Barbara, Utah
1: State and then Indiana. So the point I wanted to make, though, is Chris Smith was their pro. He was the guy that was going to be their best player. It was not even their
0: their Trace Jackson Davis.
1: Fair enough. He's out for the year. He blew out his leg before the year started. He recently was on a radio interview Mm. and he was asked, how is UCLA competing at this level without you? And his response was, well, I mean, you know why it's one name. It's Mick Cronin. We've got the best basketball coach in the country. Now, Mick Cronin is not the best basketball coach in the country. I don't think many people would argue that he is. He seems like a very good coach. But you have a player here who he's only known for a year and a half who is telling a public forum, this guy is my guy and he's the best coach in the country. I cannot think of one player, and I don't, and I discount most of what recruits say you know when we when you hear recruits why do you like them? oh I have a great relationship with okay that's great when you're recruiting right. but what happens when you're there and afterwards I can't think of one person that has played for Archie whether it's Juwan or Duron Davis that we've talked to or anybody behind the scenes who raves about his relationship with Archie I'm not saying they don't exist I'm saying they surely haven't publicly made a point of pointing that out. And I do just wonder, and again, I'm not, I'm trying to be fair because I do like Archie, but he isn't a gregarious personality. Right. He isn't a guy who is focused on some of this, let's call it Tom Allen stuff. Right. Right. He is not. He thinks You play the game and you get better at the game and that's all that matters. Well, you do wonder if that is holding back the connection with the team, connection with recruits, connection with the state. You just wonder if that is kind of the overriding cloud over why we are where we are. Yeah. To just dig into one weed, because I do think this is totally fair. We were sold a bill of goods when Archie was hired that if nothing else was true, everyone agreed on this. He is a defensive coach. And outside of Tony Bennett, probably the best at running the pack line. And while the pack line might take one, maybe two years to instill, once you get there, you're set because it's a system. We are 10th in the conference in defense. We've played 13 games in the conference, which is a pretty good sample size. We are 10th out of 14 teams in the conference. That simply sucks. For a defensive-minded coach where that was where he was supposed to be focused, we have slipped in the rankings year by year. His first year, we were better in conference. His first year when the pack line was supposedly impossible to install, we were better. We have never ranked lower than we are right now, 10th in the conference. And I do like looking at conference numbers better than all, because I don't care that we held Tennessee Tech and North Alabama at a crappy game. Sure. Yeah. You know, I just don't think it's, I think conference gives you a better apples to apples comparison year to year. And we're 10th.
0: I'll take it I'll take it back again just a little bit more to personality because I think the thing we heard about along with the pack line in the early days of of Archie is that he's he's real, he's sincere, Authentic. he's not a used car salesman. And I'm sure that's all still very true. But I do wonder it's not a used car salesman thing what Tom Allen doing could not be more sincere but something about love and passion is still very important. And look, you know, I'm an artist, I'm an entertainer. Like, that is my jam. And when you say, okay, where does the professional athlete stop needing that? You know, is it as soon as they get their first paycheck and they run out there? But with these kids, you know, having somebody who, who keeps it real and is sincere, I'd much rather have that than some bullshit artist, snake oil salesman, that kind of gives you the willies and ends up alienating you know, the whole fan base, Never mind AAU coaches and high school coaches. We've been there, done that. Okay. But now we're in this new era and it's like, maybe even again, just being a ball coach isn't enough that you, you do need to figure out how to connect with these kids, not only to, to get them to commit to you, but then to commit To going out onto the court and, and going crazy with, with see what I think this year, people are talking about toughness, the way they were talking about effort last year, everybody's trying to find this intangible thing that you can't find in Ken Palm in order to explain why we're continually falling short, not just of our own expectations, but, but just compared to comparable programs around us. And that's, you know, third year, fourth year, when it becomes something more ephemeral, it's like, well, it's some, it's the water we're drinking is clearly the problem because nothing else is really making sense game in and game out. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's when you look at this run of look, Iowa's falling apart again. We all know kind of Fran falls apart at the end of the season. Nobody knows it more than Iowa fans. Nobody was expecting this more than Iowa fans. And I'm glad we're their kryptonite this year, like we have been to Izzo in the past with Archie. But at the end of the day, two games does not make a season. And, you know, the one thing going into the Ohio State game is, You know what? We've really hung with every team we've played besides Texas. Well, now it's looking like maybe Texas isn't as good as it seemed like they were earlier in the season, and we haven't had to go up against Michigan. You know, this is our first time going up against Ohio State, and it wasn't even close. We are clearly not at the same level of Ohio State in any way, shape, or form, so what do we do? I don't know. Talk about – 30 years ago when things were better.
1: Well, that is exactly what we do. (laughs) We, we, we love our Hoosiers and we look for those times in the past to dive into, to get more insight and more stories and more feel goods, if you will. And what we have today, and I want to make it clear that this is a part one of what will ultimately be a second part. We don't know when that second part is happening, but it is going to happen. Hopefully part one. <laughs> but this is a really special one. Mm-hmm. And one that we have been wanting to do for, so, I mean, from the very beginning, like wish list stuff. And the truth is we never thought it would come together the way this one did. Um, so I, I just want to contextualize it. That's why it's a little shorter. We were crunched on time. They were crunched on time. It's two people instead of one. Matching schedules is difficult and there's a lot to cover here. But you'd be hard pressed to find a more interesting, complex, fascinating story, both individually and then collectively, they are a unit. That the truthfully, you know, Indiana outside of like the Van Arsdales you know, who were brothers. We haven't had a lot of those like get twins to play for us. You know, like we haven't had many of those package deals.
0: Yeah, you could think kind of downing McGinnis a little bit.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's really mm-hmm. fair, absolutely. But it has not happened much. And and truthfully, it has not happened since these guys. Right, yeah, no, Connolly and Odin, they went to Ohio State. They went somewhere else. So this one is special for a lot of reasons. And we're just so grateful that they were willing to sit down and talk to us. And we'll leave the superlatives for what we tell those guys, because I think it's better left uh, in the moment.
0: And the one thing I'll say, when I think about our childhood and our fanhood, we were all absolutely sealed for life as Hoosier fans with the 87 championship. And then for those, the young kids and your all-time heroes, it, it sort of, climaxes if you will with the Cheney years and those guys but these are the guys in between these two guys in between that really made that one continuous wonderful journey of excitement and winning and having some of the best talent in the country playing an assembly hall it was like these these guys made that whole chunk from 87 to 93 what was for
1: us the best Indiana basketball we ever saw and they are part of a team that is arguably Bob Knight's best coaching job ever. You know, the, the 89 team that these guys were on is remarkable. Because when you look back at the team, there's one star on the team. And there's no other stars on the team. And they won the Big Ten in a time when the Big Ten was really good really good i know everybody thinks that now is the best it's ever been and maybe top to bottom it is but the top teams in the big 10 then could play with any of the top teams in the big 10 now
0: well and the top teams in that year in particular one of them ended up winning the whole damn thing
1: and two went to the final four illinois right yeah so i mean this was a golden era of basketball and these guys i mean we just cannot thank them enough so uh In order to do an episode like this, of course, you need some extra fortitude. You need Mm -hmm. some extra oomph. Some juice. Some juice, if you will. And where we derive our juice is because we are... Powered by... Pigs, 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 pigs.
0: Was that something from Temple?
1: No, that was just an original composition.
0: Okay, I, I thought it was it was starting to take on a bit of a holy chant.
1: It did. It did sound a little bit like I was about to read from the Torah. But that's by the way, we are.
0: from now on, I'm going to refer to it as Pig.com. <laughs> <laughs> Just to make sure I don't accidentally put an S at the end of Mike's last name again, I, it's it's all blended in my brain. So
1: Pig.com. <laughs> and uh, enjoy.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this is such a thrill for Eric and I. These are two of our absolute heroes. We grew up watching these guys. So many wonderful memories. I still can't quite believe we have them here today. And Eric's going to spend quite a while telling you about who
1: they are and what they've accomplished. Guys, we are talking to two people who are not just icons of Indiana University basketball, They are legends of Indiana basketball, and it all started back in Marion, where they were chief architects of Purple Rain, winning three consecutive state titles when it was real basketball, single-class basketball. They won back-to-back-to-back championships, the first team to do that, only the second team ever in Indiana, and the last team that did it was like during the depression. That's how (laughs) far back it was. Before. Yes, exactly, 1919 to 1921. So we're talking pre-depression here. (laughs) We are talking to one gentleman, I'll start with one and then do the other. We're talking to one gentleman who is one of only five freshmen to play varsity at Marion High School. We're talking to a gentleman who is a gold medal winner of Junior Olympics, a gold medal 1989 World University Games. He is part of the Indiana High School Basketball Hall of Fame. He started on the 1989 Big 10 Championship team for Indiana. He was the captain of the 1991 Big 10 Championship team for Indiana. He is 88th all time in scoring at Indiana University. And then we move on to his partner, the the dynamic duo that came to Indiana together. And we are talking to someone who hails originally from Muncie, Made his way to Marion, where he, of course, helped lead that team to three consecutive championships, including scoring 35 points and 16 rebounds in the title game of his senior year. We're talking to the Big Ten freshman of the year, Big Ten player of the year, his sophomore year, eighth quickest to a thousand points in Indiana history. The buzzer beater phenomenon. I mean, just <laughs> nine, you get a shot at the end. That was what was gonna happen. One of only 19 players in Indiana history to score average 20 uh 20 points a game 11th best career scoring average and of course only played the two seasons he is has the third and fifth best all-time streaks of three-pointers hitting a three in 20 consecutive games and a three in 17 consecutive games he's fifth all-time in threes in a season six uh hit six threes five different times He is the second and fourth all-time best three-pointers in Big Ten history. He is the third best season percentage in threes all-time at 53.6%. Wow. I'm sorry, i got to take another breath here. (laughs) He has the number one all-time at Indiana three-point percentage in Big Ten games at 53.2%. He has the fourth best free throw season ever at Indiana at 90.8% he is the third best big 10 free throw season of all time at 91.7 percent i mean this is just ridiculous he had the best freshman season in iu history at the three-point line he is the third best scoring season of all time at indiana in his sophomore year behind only two guys mm-hmm. just think about this behind only two guys george mcginnis and Calbert Cheney. I mean, that it, it's just ridiculous. All big 10 first team, all American. By the way, I forgot to mention, Mr. Basketball, both of them together, <laughs> yeah. where they were also both all Americans. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm freaking out because we are talking to Lyndon Jones and Jay Edwards. Hey guys. Sorry, I was working well,
3: on that one. Yeah. Damn, Silk, I didn't know you did all that. That's pretty good. I did. I didn't either, man.
1: So let's uh, look. We want this to be loose and fun, but let's start with this. Jay, I'm going to start with you. Uh, When you hear all that stuff, is there something that sticks out to you about your playing career that you, you know, when you're just at your place hanging out and you're like, oh, yeah, that was pretty good? Is there one thing that stands out?
2: Uh, Not really. It went by so fast. Uh, you know, I was playing with Lyndon, and all we knew was, you know, to play, you know, play to win. That's what we were doing. So, I mean, it happened to work out pretty good for us. But uh, yeah, that's so good. I just, it just went by so fast. I didn't, I don't want to really think about it.
1: <laughs> and Lyndon, what about you, man? Uh, when you think back on your career and all the things you and Jay did together and what you did at Indiana, uh, what stands out to you?
3: Um. So, I, I think I would say, um, how well we were connected, and how well, we're, we're still connected, right? I mean, we're we like we're brothers from a from a different mother. That's all. Um, but just how well we were connected, and how we just we 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 played the game right, and we won. Like, I mean, there are a lot of guys that that played together, but they didn't accomplish what we accomplished. We we won, man. We won and and it just seemed like, you know, when we were together, um, we were just one player, right? He was the scorer, I was the distributor, leader, whatever you want to call it, Um, co-leaders, whatever. But yeah, we just won. That's what I think about most.
2: No, you was the the leader.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well,
0: you guys have uh, a relationship like no other really in the history of Indiana University, probably in the state of Indiana when it comes to basketball. Let's go back to the first team you guys ever played on together. Can you tell us about that? And, and was that how you met?
3: Go ahead, Linda. Yeah, so um, actually, man, we always played against each other. Um, and so we met We met probably when we were around seven, eight years old at the PAL club. We were playing in um, the PAL the club league there.
0: The police league in Marion.
3: Yeah, the police league in Marion. They used to come and scoop us up as kids, and so Jay and I first met then. Um, but we normally played against each other, and it kind of went it went back and forth in terms of um, Jay was the biggest side of the group, and then I grew, and then Derek Keys and Eric Euler, and Kyle, we were all playing against each other on different teams, and we, we would only play together um, if there were an all star team that we played on, right, and so. We kind of, um, we all grew up playing together, playing against each other. Um, but I would say that, uh, you know, we learned to be competitive uh, playing against each other and trying to beat each other. We, we always wanted to beat each other. We always wanted those bragging rights to beat each other. But when we played together, it was on all-star teams and we went and did work throughout the, throughout the state and, and sometimes in the country, right? When we, when we played together. So but that's what I remember, Jay. Yeah, oh yeah, I
2: remember it, and uh, we were yeah we were quite rivals growing up. I mean that was a big thing with, in the city between uh, who was going to be better, me or Lyndon. and uh, I think that helped us a lot. You know, coming you know being against each other growing up until we were uh, freshmen. Really, that's the first time we really played together. As far as uh, far school, like the AU and stuff, we played together in the summer. But as far as school is concerned, freshman year. Was the first year we really got to play together, and that was at the end of the year.
1: And yeah. Jay, when you played against Lyndon, when you guys were rivals, what kind of player was he? Like, what, what did did how much did you want to beat him, and and what did you know of him as a player?
2: Oh man, I mean, it, it, how it, how it started at the Power Club. I was a little better at the beginning because I was taller and a little faster, and Lyndon was a little chubby, you know, when he was when he was young. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I don't know something happened man about the sixth grade I would say some he sprouted up man and he was I couldn't handle him between the seventh and eighth grade there was nothing I could do with Lyndon Lyndon was probably the best player in the in the state wasn't the best in the nation in the seventh and eighth grade I mean he could be continued to do that but I'm talking about he probably was number one in eighth grade seventh eighth grade
1: and I'm yeah. curious, so when you guys are playing at this age, you know, are you paying attention to what's going on at, at Indiana University? Because, you know, when you guys first start playing, Isaiah Thomas is at Indiana, you know, 81, obviously you're young kids then. Do you have memories of Isaiah at Indiana? Did that mean anything to you? And then, of course, Steve Alford, who is a legend at Indiana and then goes to Indiana University and, and wins a title while you guys are, are in high school. What did Indiana University mean to you guys as kids? If anything.
3: Yes, yeah, so I, I'll jump in and I'll say, um, you know, Jay said he was he was better earlier. Jay, the one thing that about Jay, Jay could always shoot, man. I mean, no matter when we were seven or eight or, uh, of course, you guys seen it at, at IU and beyond, but he could always shoot. I remember just a just a quick story. Yeah, I used to, we used to spend the night with each other and we would play this game. We didn't have all the. The stuff that these kids have nowadays, but we would spin that. We would ball socks up, and we would either hang a hang a hanger on the door, or we would open the the dresser drawer up, and Jay would be like thirty feet away. Hitting all net on the hangar rim, <laughs> or or are hitting hit, it would go into the drawer. And you know drawers were it wasn't that big of a drawer, man. But he would be like thirty feet away, just falling back and doing all kind of crazy stuff. I'm like, man, this guy can shoot. But um, mm-hmm. in, in terms of in terms of IU, I really didn't watch it, right? I didn't. Um, you know we we would watch. I guess I watched some of the games, but it really wasn't. It was. It wasn't that. Um, you know, I was trying to uh, emulate Isaiah, or, or you know, thinking that I was going to be a Hoosier one day. Any of that, right? It was just watching basketball on TV. I watched Purdue as, as well, Notre Dame as well, right? Anything that we get on Channel Four is is what we watch. So, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't it, it. You know, in terms of just focusing on the Hoosiers, that, that uh, no, nah, I didn't, I didn't do that.
1: And Jay, was yeah, uh, that came with yeah. you.
3: Yeah, well,
2: yeah, it's the same. Uh, our 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 goal when we were kids was the Marion Giants. I mean, the Marion Giants was everything to us. I mean, you got the 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 when we went to the games, the fans. I mean, the 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 uh, stadium was full. I mean, the booster block was was jumping. I mean, it was it was it was a lovely thing going to the Marion Giants games, and that's as far as we thought was the Marion Giants. We didn't think no farther than that right
0: but one and, and like James Blackman senior he would have been in high school a few years ahead of you guys so was that that was more your heroes who you try to pretend Mo you Tyson, were
1: right Mo Tyson was I, I read a, a big name in your life <laughs> Linda, yeah yeah, right. Mo,
3: yeah Mo Tyson was my man he uh my dad brought him up from from Georgia um I think his senior year in high school and so I grew close to him but I wouldn't I mean James was one of them like, it was Joseph Price was was our guy. I mean, there were a lot of guys that played on the team, and it got a lot of guys that didn't play on the team that we, you know, that we looked up to in terms of basketball. And, and to Jay's point, man, um, it was marrying all the way. Like, they were turning the lights out back then, right, to announce, to announce the the starting five, and they were busting through the paper ring coming out. And <laughs> they always had the freshest and the newest warm-ups. And so, yeah, that that's, that's who we were trying to be.
0: Uh, I think the the bigger story is th- the friendship, which you clearly maintain to this day. And I'm wondering, do you, do you remember when you, you were not just rivals on different police league teams, but when you actually
2: became friends? Well, I mean, we grew up on the opposite side of the town, so we didn't see each other a lot, you know, when we were younger. Let's that's, that's where we're playing ball and stuff like that. But we always uh, showed each other respect because we were the two best players out there, and and I come spend a night with him, he comes spend the night with me, always coming up. So we've always been tight, uh, as tight as you can be as rivals, you know, as at, at that age, you know, you're, you're going to, you know, have the animosity a little bit, you know, as growing up, as far as you know, you want to be the best, you know. So, but we have always got past that, always been always been friends, always loved each other. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Look, we could talk for several hours about just your time at Marion, but let's get into the 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 first year where you guys are competing for a state championship. So obviously you grow up and Marion is everything, like you said. Uh, and also, you know, we've got a lot of people who listen to this that don't remember when Indiana was single-class basketball. So, Lyndon, why don't you talk a little bit about just how important it was to even get to like semi-state and things like that and and get to the point where you have a chance to win the state title and take us back to that first one and what you remember from it
3: yeah so um for for us I mean it started out when we were freshmen actually and we played. we made it to um semi-state um and we got a taste that we played against Delray Brooks Michigan City Rogers, and those guys up in Fort Wayne and and um, they beat us i don't think they blasted us i think they beat us maybe eight 10 points or whatever because we, we had some guys as well and so we got we got a, we got a taste of that right in terms of winning and and to jay's point we always were trying to to win right um whether it was eighth grade city championships like um I, you know I, I got the i got the best of my buddies with that he had keys and and some of the other guys over at the same middle school with him or junior high school with him but when it started then for us, right, and and wanting to to be recognized in the state and wanted to make sure that we carried on that tradition of, of marrying Giant basketball. And so when we got through that freshman year and got our taste of varsity and what it was like and the competition, um, Jay grew, um, my game got better. And we just, you know, it wasn't like we made a pact, but it was carefree for us. And we could just go out and play because we had great senior leadership um, with Lafon Bones, Nikki Mallory and Jay Teagle. And so, um, you know, know, thinking back on that, I don't remember just one um, example or instance, but we just went out and played, right? And we started rolling. But for us, it was not necessarily get to state finals or bust it was let's win our sectional first so we can so we don't get beat by the folks in grant county and then mm-hmm. let's win our regional and then we'll see what happens once we get to semi state but we were rolling so tough that year and we were rolling through the ncc like we i mean we really thought that we had a chance to to go all the way and so you know um um, you know, playing against all the teams in the NCC got us prepared, and we really thought we always really thought if we could win in, in Fort Wayne semi-state, that that was almost like winning the state. Because once we got down to, to Indianapolis Market Square, nobody could touch us, right? Because we felt like we played the best teams um, right. up in Fort Wayne. So um, you know, that's that's what I remember most, and I always and I always remember coach bill green saying i got two 15 year old kids that came down here and set the state on fire right they, they don't even have their driver's license and they set the state on fire <laughs> <laughs> so that that's always remember remember that well and, I would and love jay to- oh yeah. i was
0: gonna say jay would you care to share with us why bill green goes down as arguably the greatest high school coach in Indiana history what made him so special besides having players like the two of you on his teams
2: well yeah uh I mean that that didn't uh hurt him uh, he's always had uh he got great talent I mean he had uh he had he had George McGinnis and Steve Downing too in 69 so I mean <laughs> hard to lose uh, but he was a I great like I could have been a good coach had,
3: yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, always, he always knew how to, he always knew how to position himself at the right time in the right place, man. He had yeah, him. he did.
2: Yeah, he did. Yeah, and he had that matchup zone too. And that—that that, I think that uh, it fit in well for us in high school. kept was out of foul trouble, you know, because hey, we really couldn't afford for me or Lennon to really get in foul trouble in the game. So that matchup zone had a lot to do with it, I believe, too. And he—he and he like he said, he was just a lucky man. He's. He always said when he got when he got to the tournament he's a lucky guy and uh, <laughs> uh he he won a lot.
1: Uh, Jay, when you think back on your time at Marion, is there a game that stands out to you, one uh, or a moment or just sometime where you you just never felt better on the basketball court whether it was because of individual achievement or because of a, a specific game that you really wanted to win and you did, is there one moment that stands out?
2: Uh Probably, uh, there's probably a whole bunch of them, but a couple uh my freshman year, maybe because I went back to Muncie and played and I got my, you know, I got in as a, as a, as a varsity player in, in, in Muncie, you know, in front of my family and stuff like that. That was pretty cool. And I got uh, about four points in the game and that, that was pretty <laughs> cool. And then uh, uh, probably our senior year after we won, after we won uh, that third state and it was over and we finally had, you know, cause it was a lot of pressure on us, man. And, uh, yeah. you know, we finally got to breathe and it was over and we had did it, you know, and, uh, that was a real special moment for me.
1: And Lyndon, what about you? Same question. If you, if I just had to say, pick out one or two moments that stood out to you at Marion, what would it be? Yes.
3: Yeah, so, um, I think the, you know, the, the third championship, of course, but I think our junior year, right. We had some adversity our junior year. Um, in terms of um, senior leadership was gone, we had to step up. Right, we're juniors. We we had a target on our back. Right, we were number one in the state most of the year um, until we lost a few games. And I think just the way we we stepped up and turned it around, and we had some things fall in our in our in, in our way. Right, we had some we had some. I won't say luck. We we made our own luck. Right, but I, I'll say we had some things go our way. But making it out of Fort Wayne, um, when you had the number one team in the state, you had the number two team in the state, and you had the number three team in the state, right? And and we're and we're trying to make it out, of there and we and we made it out of there, right? And so that really stands out to me in terms of that junior year. That to me, that was probably the 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 greatest achievement in terms of winning the state that year, because we, it was stacked up against us and everybody wanted to beat us. And um, by the time we got the senior, we, there was no way we were losing. There was no way Let me, we're, were going to lose. So
2: I got to cut it. I got to cut in right here. Uh, he's <laughs> speaking of the, of the semi state. And when I was telling you about it, neither one of us could get in foul trouble a little while back. And I happened to get in foul trouble against Michigan city Rogers. And I've seen Linden do, uh, do some plays in, in for the last four minutes of the game that i never seen before. I mean, as a high school player, he did, he did some things. I think he scored 16 straight points or 17 straight points or something like that. I don't know what it was, but it was because of Linden that we got out of that semi-state that year.
1: Wow. Now, uh, I am curious, Jay, uh, I read that your nickname back then, and I think it started early, was Silk. That the name, Yeah. Where, where did that come from? Who gave it to you? And, uh, and then, Lyndon, I want you to talk about why you think that might have been an appropriate nickname for Jay. But, Jay, where did that start?
2: Well, you know, uh, we're coming to get into the varsity. Everybody wants a nickname. So... I mean, I tried a, a few of them. I don't know what they were, but they were all pretty stupid. And uh, and Linden already Lyndon already had his nickname. He already, he smoked. He had smoked since he was maybe I don't know eight years old, nine years old. So he already had his nickname. Oh, that's my grandson. Okay, <laughs> and uh, and uh, so I think it was uh, my freshman year, probably in, a, in our radio guy here, uh, Jim Brunner. Said something of the fact that uh, Jay did something and it was smooth as silk or something like that, and then it kind of caught on and it, it caught on and people started calling me Silk, and that's where it started from.
1: Does anyone still call you Silk?
2: The people that know me back in high school, they do. Yes,
1: that's great. That's and and Linda, yeah. do people still call you Smoke?
3: Yeah, kind of the same thing. People from high school, um, people that that we you know uh, we met in college that that kind of you know became friends. They and they heard us calling each other either silk or smoke. You guys heard me refer to Jay this morning as Silk. I, that kind of just slipped just natural just slipped out. But um yeah, so yeah people still call me that. Yeah.
0: Well and uh, this is gonna be the name of the 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 movie we make about your lives. It's going to be called Silk and Smoke.
1: It's
3: just made,
0: made for the big screen. <laughs> By the way, we
1: also take this opportunity because we like to think, because Ward and I have the basketball ability of uh, the phone that Jay is holding. That's how how good we are at basketball. So we could never be in the world of even having a nickname so, but we like to think we're best friends with everybody we have on the show. So we would love to just be able to pretend that and be able to refer to you guys as smoke and silk. Are you cool with that?
2: Absolutely. That's, that's no problem. Uh, all right. We're yeah. in, we're in. So
1: <laughs> now, now let's uh, let's get into you're you're obviously you're winning state championships like jay you said there was a ton of pressure on you especially coming into that senior year
0: i mean at uh, one point you're number 1 team in the nation right so the secret's yeah, out yeah, yeah. secret
1: secret yeah. is out now yeah you're also kids you know you're you're kids and uh dealing with that kind of pressure is difficult do you remember uh struggling just with with that at all Lyndon or or jay just just how do you deal with this overwhelming pressure on you to perform.
3: Um, so uh, Jay's Jay's mom and, and my mom and and um, you know the rest of the folks that we had around us did a really good job of, of keeping us grounded, right? It was it was business as normal, right? They didn't they didn't play that, right? And so and then Bill Green did a really good job of taking pressure off, off us as well, right? And so um, although we knew it was there and with the streaks and the state championships and the potential of, of this and that and the other and, and um, you know, Scholastic Sports coming to the high school the mm-hmm. interviews ESPN coming there, Newsweek doing a story on us, USA, they, we just, they did a really good job. And, and yeah, it was stress because we knew that we were going to get everyone's best every time that we stepped out on the court, right? That was Marion Pierre you're going to get everyone's best. But I think that the folks around us did a really good job of keeping us, um, keeping the pressure off of us, right, and and just letting us focus on what we needed to focus on—that was playing ball. I think probably, like, like I'll go back again, our junior year is probably the, the year that we had the most adversity in trying to understand and trying to grasp what we were, what we were really up against, right. And then after after that, um, it was just it was it was all business after that.
1: Jay, uh, I, I've read a bunch uh, about you and, and your mom had was quoted in a lot of things just throughout your life. You know, obviously she was a, a big influence on you and a big presence in your life. Uh, can you just talk a little bit about how she helped you through that time?
2: Oh man, she was everything. Uh, like like Linda said, she, she just, you know, she didn't, they didn't play, we had to go to school, it didn't matter. And we scored 30, 30 or 40 points or whatever we did, we still had to, it was business as usual. So like Glennon said, and uh, they were just, they were just good parents. I mean, they, uh, they, they, like you said, they took the pressure off of us. They talked to the coaches, they, they, whatever they needed to do, they got it done. And uh, uh, yeah, without my mom, I wouldn't have been the player I was. So with all this
0: incredible success coming sophomore through senior year, I'm guessing it's somewhere in there, if not earlier, colleges start sniffing around can you talk about how you both approached uh being recruited and the decisions uh that went into finally picking iu to be your school because i know you kind of went on separate paths but but came back together on it if you could you know maybe jay you start and then lyndon you fill in about how your your paths converged again
2: yeah um Well, early on, you know, when you're, when you're young, you're just happy to get some letters. I was just happy to get, you know, you start getting letters from Western Michigan and (laughs) Ball State. And and then they start picking up a little bit, you know, you get uh, your Pittsburgh and, you know, uh, Syracuse's. And then they started, you know, UCLA, Indiana's. And, but that was good. But then it was a lot. It was, it was a hassle after a while. It was just too, too much. And, uh, so we broke it down. And I I originally basically was going to go to Louisville. I, uh, I had verbally committed basically. With Danny Crum. Uh I went to Louisville basketball camp three years, four years in a row. And uh that, that was my decision, basically. I was, you know, going into my junior year, even going to my going into my senior year, I thought I was probably be going to Louisville. But uh, you know, as the, uh, that year went on and and Lyndon uh was 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 looking towards uh NC State and Jim Valvano was really wanting him really bad. And uh but we you know we sat down and talked uh and, you know, took a walk and uh, just decided that, you know, we'd be better both together, you know, instead of splitting up. We had did all this thing together, the three state champions together, and there was no reason to break it up. And uh, we did have one score that won it both of us, and that was IU. And uh, so that's where we went. Yeah.
0: And and then, Lyndon, on your side, uh, as you're getting to, to that point, uh, you come together with Jay and decide you're both going to go there. Can you talk about when you first interacted with Coach Knight? And Jay, you can chime in on that too. What was the recruitment by Coach Knight like?
3: Yeah, so um, so our first interaction with Coach Knight, I can't remember exactly, but I I, I know the first time we talked to him, he, he came in the room, big presence, right? Yeah. Um, Kind of scary, <laughs> right? A little bit. <laughs> um, but um, you know, he he recruited us separately, right? And so they recruited us separately. They didn't put the pressure on us, on us in terms of as cr- recruiting us as a as a duo. Um, and so my interaction with coach was um, you know, I think the first thing he said to me, I think we were down, we were playing, a, I think we were scrimmaging or something down there, Jay. I can't remember exactly, but he, he said, you know, you think you can play here and you think you'll be a good player here? And I was like, well, yeah, coach, I think I can play here, you know, with your help, blah, 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 all that good stuff. And then he, I can't remember exactly what it said, but he said something. it was, it was kind of like, whoa, man, Bill Green doesn't talk to me like that. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, so that, that was that was kind of the first interaction. And to, to Jay's point, I had no plans on staying in the state of Indiana and going to school. Uh, Purdue was on me heavily as well, and I was I was all about going to NC State. So wow. this thing that happened with us going to IU, right? Um, and, we, and you know, man, you uh, Indiana ball player. You doing well, right? Of course, people want you to IU. And so we got a lot of pressure from the outside folks, not pressure from our parents, um, our inner circle, but from a lot of outside folks to to go to Indiana and to attend Indiana. And and like Jay said, we just kind of um we I remember the day that we committed, right? Um I only I didn't only went on one visit, right? You know, you you could go on five visits. Jay went to Louisville. And then we both went to IU together. And that was my only visit. And after I left there and really thought about it, right? Um, in terms of what I was trying to do, what I was trying to accomplish. And, and I'll be honest with you guys. I, I can be honest on, on on this. I mean, I'm 52 years old now. I can really yeah. be honest. <laughs> so, so one of the things that Jay and I, we outsmarted ourselves a little bit because one of the other, reasons that we wanted to go to IU or we decided to go to IU is because we wanted to win Mr. Basketball. We wanted each other or one of us to win Mr. Basketball. And so we thought that going to IU would just solidify that. Right. And not even thinking about, we just won three state championships. We're all Americans. There is second team, third team, all Americans in the country. We just set all kinds of records. Um, we We were gonna be called Mr. Basketballs anyway. Right, unless somebody was just going to hate on us, but so we really just thought that going to IU was going to solidify that, and so that was one of the other reasons that we that we chose to go to IU. To be honest with you guys,
1: so that's that's incredible. So Jay, walk us through what you remember from your first interaction with Coach Knight.
2: Mm, um, I can't really. I don't remember too much about. Uh, I just remember, like when he what he told me uh, that really what got me to thinking about Indiana was that Steve Alford was leaving and that I would be in that position that Steve Alford was in, and I could do more than what Steve Alford did. You know, as far as my play, you know, I could I I, I had more to offer than Steve did, and uh, he said I, he would put me in that position as far as uh getting picks and going around and shooting the ball, so. I mean, that's what I love to do. So, I mean, that, that, helped, uh, uh, that helped a lot, you know, when he said that.
1: <laughs> uh, now, we, look, we're all adults here. We know how dirty the recruiting game can be. So I'm just curious, Jay, especially when you told Denny Crum that you weren't going to go there and you're coming to Indiana, did you have to return the car?
2: <laughs> no.
1: Did, no, he,
2: no, you they know had, what? Eric they had not <laughs> Eric, think about that. He did have a new IROC. <laughs> 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 no nothing returned. No return. No, you, oh,
1: they let you keep it. Great. Yeah,
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, he wasn't very happy, though. He wasn't very happy. Yeah.
1: Um. So listen, wait,
0: your, your wait, high school. I, Ahead, I was, yeah, I was going to say, but before we leave high school, though, we should take a moment to bask in you learning that you both did win Mr. Basketball together. Do you remember getting that news? Were you guys together? What did that feel like? What did that mean to both of you and your family? Uh, I Lyndon, think. Uh, go. No, yeah.
3: No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah, we were together um when we got the news and at that time indianapolis star was still downtown jay correct me if i'm wrong and bill and coach green came and told us and then they took us down to the Indianapolis star and we were in a room and conference room and then they came in we didn't know what we were going for right he, he took us down there and we just thought we were going to do another interview or something and then they came in with the jerseys if, I, if my memory serves me correctly is that wow. is that right jay is that how it happened
2: yeah that's how it happened yeah yeah yeah
0: and and Jay, what that's what I what, remember.
3: What, uh, what kind of emotions
0: hit you when you saw those jerseys and realized what it was about?
2: It's crazy, man. Because me and Lyndon, uh, me and Lyndon, we 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 did so much. So I don't want to say that it was just another thing, but it kind of was just another thing. I mean, uh, it was. <laughs> that's a bad. It's bad to say, but uh, yeah, it was just. I don't know. It wasn't for me. It wasn't. I mean, it was nice. Don't get me wrong. It was nice. But it wasn't like uh, it was something that I was dreaming about, you know, Uh, Mr. Beth. Yeah.
1: Do you look back on it now, Jay, like with wisdom of years and and just kind of a, a greater perspective on how how much people care about Indiana basketball? Do you look back on it and go, holy hell, I really did do a lot. That really was a big deal.
2: Yeah. Yeah. More now than I'm old when I'm older. Yeah. Uh, cause like I said, when me and Lennon was doing this, I mean, it was a stretch of like five year period. We did a lot, man. We did, (laughs) we won, we won a lot and did a lot. So, I mean, it it just happened so fast. It was a whirlwind. And, uh, and I know I just know me and him was together that's all I know so you know we had a, we had a good time
3: yeah it wasn't it wasn't only man it wasn't only you know when we were playing ball in the state of Indiana in high school like we would go to tournaments these big tournaments and win together like we would have some other guys with us but it would be he and I winning together we would go to camp and we would win together they would separate us and put us together and we would win i mean to to Jay's point it was it was almost kind of like second nature just and and like you said it sounds bad but just another thing like we were we were just conditioned that way right when we played together we knew we had an opportunity to do something great so it,
1: it is not often that we have two people that were so close and played together that we can ask this question, but I would love to just take a second for those that, that didn't get a chance to maybe watch you guys play as much as we did or people who just need a refresher. Jay, could you just tell us what kind of player on the court Linden was and Linden do the same for us for Jay, just to give people a, a sense of what kind of player we're talking about here. Jay, you start with describing Lyndon's play.
2: Okay, uh, that ain't hard. Linden uh, was a, the point guard, uh, and Linden in high school, he would he would make other point guards quit. You know, I mean, he would get... <laughs> no, it's no joke, I'm, I'm telling you, serious, serious, it's serious. Uh, I mean, he was so strong, and he would get to his spot, and then there's nothing he could do. There's nothing the other man could do about it. You know, when Linden when wanted to score in high school, he could score. It wasn't... There was nobody could stop him in, in high school. I mean, he passed the ball just to just, uh, you know, so everybody else could get the ball. But if Linden wanted to take the ball every time to the, to the basket, he could have did that. That's what type of player he was in high school. Wow. And, uh, I mean, he was, he was basically unstoppable as a point guard. I mean, and you got to know, Lyndon Young was a power forward. They changed, mm-hmm. him, to, it changed him into point guard in, in the seventh grade. Wow. So, I mean, he did it so well. I mean, for somebody that played, by, you know, with his back to the basket all his life, all his young life, and then in seventh grade he said, here's the ball, you gotta be point guard, and he did it. So they they knew that was another thing that Bill Green knew. They knew Lyndon wasn't going to grow that much more, and they knew he was gonna have to play point guard. For him to make that move in the seventh grade like that was uh was was outstanding.
1: And Lynn didn't do the same for Jay.
3: Yeah, so um Jay uh was always a terrific all-around player. So he got I know he got a lot of by the pub because he could score the ball, but uh, Jay could pass the ball. Jay could Jay would play in the passing lane, <laughs> get steals. Jay was a, Jay's a smart basketball player, just period in the story, right? And so that's why it was it was really easy for him to be able to to go to that next level and figure out how to score on that next level as early as his, his freshman year at, at IU um and you know i talked about the story of him being able to shoot um um you know shoot the basketball ever since we were young um jay was just an all-around great athlete and then when he started to grow jay was a pitcher as well jay was a hell of a baseball player Mm. so folks don't know that jay was a pitcher he was a hell of a baseball player and so um you know he just he was just he, he was a talented guy right in in terms of you Know just to being an all around player, like he got a, a to my point again, he got a lot of pull for scoring, but he did all those small things on the court as well. That people that really know basketball they see it, and it looked like he was doing it in slow motion, but he was really moving fast. <laughs> so that, that's where that whole, mm-hmm. that whole silk smooth the silk thing he was moving, but it looked like he was doing it in slow motion and he was killing everybody. So, um, mm-hmm. so yeah, he was you know. You know, everybody asks who, who's the best player that you played against or played with, and it's always Jay, right? I mean, we mm-hmm. played against somebody, but Jay was, Jay, I mean, Jay was a hell of, hell of a ball player. Hell of a ball player. And I think, it,
0: correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't the entire starting five your senior year make the Indiana All-Star team?
3: Yes. Yeah, yeah.
0: Now, now I know That's they staggering. were staggering.
3: Were, uh, There's know, a lot of, there was a lot of hate. There, or there was a lot of hate around that as well. It's still <laughs> a lot of hate.
2: They
3: still, they, Bill Green rest, rest, in, rest in peace. They still don't like him for that, man. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, but you just,
0: you had to feel collectively as you guys walked out of there. If you were ever to happen across, you know, the Franklin Wonder Five at an old people's home that you would be able to easily claim you were the greatest of all time. Do you ever get flat from people up in Franklin saying, you know, that that they have a shot at that? Because I'm assuming you guys hear it on a, if not a daily, a weekly basis, how you were the leaders of the greatest basketball dynasty the state has ever seen. And because to Eric's point, single class no longer exists, nobody is ever going to touch that. Is it, I mean, to me, if that's all I had done in my life, it would have been more than enough.
1: It, if it, that's more all, than, <laughs> Lord, if, if, if I had just been able to go to one of the games, I would feel like I accomplished something. <laughs> the hell with playing them.
0: But, but Jay, especially you're, you're there in Marion. I mean, it's just, can you tell us what it means now so many years later, not just to the both of you, but to that community
3: to this day?
2: Oh yeah, they still talk about it, especially now since uh, the basketball around here is not is not up to par like it should be. Uh, uh, they're not, you know, I don't know, they're they're not getting the fans like they used to. Of course, now because of the COVID, but even before that, they were only getting half, filling up half the stadium. Uh, it just ain't like it used to be. Uh, they, you know, they miss that, you know. Like they always talk about how it used to be and how much fun it was, how how much the city was different back then, and you know everything changes.
3: Yeah, for sure. So, and, and I, to to answer your question, War, um, um or at least to add to it, so it wasn't the Wonder Five that we get a lot a lot of flack from. It's Lawrence North's team that we get all the flack from. That hey, we were better oh, yeah. than you. Oh yeah. Thing. So <laughs> so I know you guys have done your research that Kiefer was Bill Green's assistant coach at one point. Yeah. Oh uh, right. Yeah, and so. Or Jack Kiefer. Jack Kiefer. Yeah, Jack, yeah, it was, yeah, was was yeah. Bill's assistant coach at one point. And so he always had a thing about trying to be Bill. And Bill, um, he would never let up off the gas when he played Norris North. He always wanted to punish them. So <laughs> I don't know what was going on behind the scene, but yeah, there was there was always something there.
0: So those were your fiercest rivals through those years, but Clearly, you got the better of them every time out. I don't. Did they did they win some titles before or after you guys? What kind of argument do they have? Yeah, so it's the no, it's
3: the it's the um um Greg Old and Mike Conley teams. Yeah, that oh, won after okay. us that that yeah that. So uh, they won two, right? They won three. They won three. Oh, they, they did. Okay, they I thought three. you guys were. But the it was them. it
2: was it was it wasn't it was one it wasn't one class it was the oh, different was classes class right. That yeah, yeah, count. yeah,
1: does not count. No, does sorry not. Guys. Count. <laughs> no way. And and <laughs> those two a holes went to Ohio State, so yeah. it really doesn't. <laughs> count. Yeah, yeah.
3: All right. Exactly.
1: <laughs> exactly. All right. So now let's. Uh, I know we're. We've only got a few minutes left here, but by the way, I told Lyndon Jay this is going to be a multi-part series. There's too much to go over. We're not doing just one part. So this is part one. Hey, so let's talk. Yeah, that's no problem. No all problem. right, great. So let's talk about at least let's, let's end this first part uh, with arriving in Bloomington and going from height of the high, legendary status, superstars, and now you're playing for Bob Knight in practice. So mm-hmm. first, tell us both, what is it like to go from Marion to now living on your own in Bloomington? What would you think of the campus? What would you think of the girls? And, <laughs> what, uh, and then what was it like getting into practice with Bob Knight?
3: So, I, I'll go first. Um, so, um, and yeah, I could be honest. I was like, what in the hell did I get myself into? <laughs> <laughs> so, by, the way, we,
0: <laughs>
1: by the way, Lyndon, we've heard that exact phrase from so many people who ended up playing for Bob Knight.
0: <laughs>
3: yeah, so we, we arrived, we were roommates our freshman year, right? Getting to know, know the campus. and, and What what, the,
0: what dorm were you in?
3: We were in Reed. So okay, we sure. had the, the co-ed dorm, right? And yeah, so, and uh-oh, uh-oh. Yeah, and so <laughs> I, I didn't take advantage of that, but I, somebody else did. But, They uh, <laughs> <laughs> keep the grandkids um, out of the room for this. Yeah. Yeah, year. yeah so, so, but... Um, getting to the campus and staying in the state, of course, everybody knew us and all that good stuff. And so that that piece was cool. Um, the the basketball piece, man, it was it was different. Right. They just come off winning the national championship, a lot of pressure, um, some returning mm-hmm. guys. And it was just hard because night was so much different than Bill Green and what we were used to. And to your point. We, you know, we, we, uh, you know, we're top of the top, come in and Bill Green, we, you know, he's letting us do not what we wanted to do, but we had some rope, right? And with Knight, we came in there, we at the bottom of the totem pole right now and we're having to work. And, and I remember the first practice and it was always when Knight had those clinics going on Mm -hmm. and and we would spend like an hour on defensive shuffles. And we're like, damn, man, is he ever going? To-? He's talking to all the coaches <laughs> and, 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 and sitting in the stands. And we're like dying. And that was just the warm-ups. That wasn't the practice. <laughs> <laughs> and so that, that's, the, that's the that's the first thing that jumps out to me. Like, it was just the the work and preparation. Um, just that first practice, man, was just like, wow, this was crazy. And then he was – and then his, just his presence, man, he was just like – man just honest and so yeah, that was I was just like wow what did I get into so
1: and Jay what, <laughs> what about you uh your your first impressions of Bloomington the campus living there and then basketball practice
2: well uh the campus was love I I just love the campus uh uh it was uh it was different to Mary it seemed like it was warmer and it was brighter and I don't know what it was <laughs> it was just different it was different man it was different and uh yeah, I remember the the practices. Uh, I I don't know if I was out of shape or what was going on. at First, I I was having trouble. I was struggling at first. Uh, I mean, the, the, the conditioning, I couldn't do the conditioning right, man. I I was last on everything. Uh, and then all of a sudden, I don't know what happened. What he got? I don't know if he got me in shape. What happened? But by the time we got to the practice games in Fort Wayne, I had I I got myself in shape. I was I was ready to go and. Uh, and I, I think I gave it to him pretty good in that practice game. I think I got like 36 points in that practice game. Uh, yeah. uh, I think he ended up changing me over to the red team, and then I <laughs> and then from now on out, he tried to hold me back a little bit after that. Yeah, uh, he, he, he didn't let me loose until until he didn't let me loose to that Notre Dame game. Really, after that, yeah, right, right.
1: Well, yeah. could you talk a little bit? It, it you know we it's really interesting as we've talked to different people at Indiana throughout the years. It's a very weird time when you come in, when the, when an era is clearly over and you're transitioning into a new era. And clearly the Alford team was an era of Indiana basketball. And so with Alford gone, the identity of Indiana, clearly it's always Bobby Knight, but it's a very different thing. And now you have Dean Garrett and Keith Smart are the seniors of your team. What, what were Dean and Keith like? How did you feel like, um, there was this changing of the guard happening and you were part of it. And And what was that just all like uh, being part of that transition?
2: Well, let me, I'll go, uh, for me and lindy coming in there, I mean, we weren't scared, man. i just like, I didn't understand. Uh... We we were looking to get we were, we wanted to get on that court and uh, if Todd was wrong and everything them winning the national championship and everything we probably should have gave them a little more respect but we came in there and uh, I know uh, me I know Lennon too we came in there we were ready to get ours so uh, uh, we we gave them you know the much respect as we could I mean we should we had to but at the same time I was trying to get at their neck and trying to get their spot that's what I was trying to do so mm-hmm. and, and we ended up doing that so yeah yes, yeah did. we ended they up taking take smart spot yeah.
0: Well, yeah, yeah. I, I, one one more quick thing because we know Bill Green, a very different personality coach than Coach Knight, and when you're thrown into the fire with Coach Knight, it can help to have upperclassmen kind of take you aside and and give you kind of a feel for his approach and how to deal with them. I'm wondering, especially in the the guard position, was Joe Hillman a guy like that who was able to kind of tell you guys what to be ready for, or or just what was Joe like as an upperclassman?
3: Bringing you guys in,
2: yeah. Joey, well, Joey, go ahead, wait, go, go ahead,
3: yeah. Joey, uh, Joey Hillman well, was our guy, man. My guy, I still talk to Joe to this day, and, and I know he asks about Jay all the time. And so, um, Joe was a competitor, Joe was, um, Joe was like our, um, our rock that we could go to, um. And I, I'll say more so than Dean and Keith and and Steve. I when we came in, Joe was the one that kind of really, that that kind of really directed us and told us what to do, what not to do, and and that type of thing. And and he and he knew we were competing against him, so he was to to me that that's who that's kind of who I when I think about who led us when we first got there. It to me it was Joe. Mm. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. No
2: doubt. I mean, when I first got there, me and Joe clashed a couple of times because like I said, I was, I was, you know, I was, he was letting me know that no <laughs> young fella, you know, uh, I've been here for a while and, uh, you got to take your turn, but yeah, but, uh, Joe helped me a lot. Without Joe, I would have never been MVP of the big 10 or none of that stuff. Wow.
3: Yeah.
1: All right. Listen, we're, we're at noon and I know you guys only had an hour, so I want to wrap this up and then we'll pick it. We'll set up another time to pick it up from here. Um, and we'll we'll just marry them all together when we when we release the episode. But I, I just want to say before we go, just on a personal level, look, Ward and I. I'm 43 years old. You know, Ward's 42. Uh, we grew up Indiana fans. Ward grew up in Peru, Indiana. My dad grew up in East Chicago and Gary. What you guys meant to us growing up, I mean, you were everything. The 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 legend of what you did in high school, the the memory I have especially of the two years you guys played together, culminating in the big 10 championship. It is still like about as much fun as I've ever had in my life following anything and watching you guys play. I just want you both to know how much it means, not just to me personally, but to the people that I grew up with and I talk to and the people that listen to our podcast, you have no idea how meaningful you guys are. And just to skip ahead, Jay, I want to tell you specifically, when coach Knight came back to assembly hall, and you walked out on that court, and we saw you on that court, you brought tears to people's eyes, seeing you back in assembly hall for that moment. It means so much to Indiana fans to know that you're still connected in some way. I just want you to know that. We we still root for you guys, both of you. And uh, well, I just wanted to say you. that thank before you. we left this call.
2: Well, thank you very much.
0: Yeah, just, just to add on it, we've done like over a hundred of these now, um, but but what you guys meant to us then and and and, and it, it we wouldn't be here doing something like this now if we hadn't become such devout Indiana fans watching the two of you. And and it like, you know, again, it's it's like I couldn't sleep last night because we're <laughs> going to talk to you guys. So and, and we always feel like we are very representative of the fans of IU. So I'm sure you know that, Jay, I know you get down to games. Lyndon, <clears throat> I think you do too. So you get that when you go back to games and you understand, but it's our chance to say, thank you for making us
3: lifelong Indiana fans. Yeah, appreciate it, man. Yeah, thank and,
0: you
1: guys, thank you guys. Yeah,
0: yeah. you guys,
3: you guys I, have done, you done your homework. I, I, I'll say that. Every, <laughs> that, that makes it. Uh, I mean, I will say this good, and
1: we'll yeah. talk about it next cool. time. I do wish that Illinois shot would have been about a second later, but that's a whole other <laughs> yeah. thing that we'll get into, Jay. I don't want to talk about it yeah. right now.
0: Yeah. Man, uh, Man, just, I just shot it a little bit higher. Just think, just, yeah. think about,
3: just think about what, just to your point, just think about what we did. So freshman year, not so, right? Coach starts to run the three-guard offense. Mm-hmm. One of the time we get beat, unfortunately, by Richmond. But just think about what we did coming back that next year, running that three-guard offense. It and Jay and
1: yeah. By the way, we'll talk about it next time because we'll get into that season.
3: Do you guys
1: realize that that year, I mean, it is one of the most special years of Indiana history, period, that Big Ten year of 88-89. But do you realize that that is the only time in the history of Indiana basketball that Indiana has beaten Kentucky at Rupp and Purdue at Mackey? It is the only time it has happened in the same season. Oh, wow.
2: Yeah. I mean, that was... uh... (laughs) Chris Mills, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. We,
1: it's never yeah.
3: happened to
1: beat them away at, at their home courts. By the way, nowadays yeah, we can't beat them in our home court. So, it Reggie, you know.
3: yeah. <laughs> Reggie Hanson broke <laughs> my Quick. damn nose that game. Remember? Yes, that? he did. Yeah, yes, he, he sure did. did. And, 19, yeah, I and I remember my that. Wrong. Now you came in the locker room. I broke my nose like three times. You're all right. Get your ass back in the game.
1: <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get into that more next time. Guys, thank you for the time. Lyndon, I'll be with you, and we'll we'll set up another time. I really appreciate you guys doing this for us.
3: Sounds good, man. Looking forward to it.
1: Be good, guys.
3: Thanks. Take care. Be safe. All right, thanks. All right, bye. Bye-bye.
1: All right, so it's been several weeks since we recorded that part one of the interview, and I don't think there's been a day that's gone by where I haven't thought about it. Because like you said, we've done over a hundred of these. And we have not done one where you get two guys that have known each other really, I mean the Van Arsdales, but these two guys have known each other since they were really just kids. And being able to see the friendship play out in front of us, like you can just see the love that these two brothers have, even though they're not blood brothers and It's so special and it makes those teams and looking back at them and their story all the more impactful and meaningful for me as a fan. And I just can't get over, you just see like Lyndon wanting to take care of Jay. It it was so
0: beautiful as we were getting set up and we were having some tech issues to see Lyndon helping Jay that, you know, I, I sort of turned away in case they glanced up and looked at me because it was starting to just affect me that here they are, you know, now what in their early fifties and they're still this close and, and, and to see, we know they've gone through some shit, some really good, good shit. And, you know, particularly for Jay, some really bad stuff and that they've just had each other through it all. It's, It transcends basketball and it's what life is all about. And when you have, you know, somebody's granddaughter scrambling in there at the beginning of all that, which we had too, you're just like, this is, this is the whole thing. And we've, we've all known so much about their origin story. And of course what happened in Bloomington and hopefully when we do a part two, we'll get through all of that too, but just to see whatever went on there. And since then, those two guys still have each other. It, it it makes you go back to this special thing that Indiana basketball is. With them, it preceded that. And I think we're seeing, again, we've seen it with so many of these players who stay close after their time there because of, of what they went through together. But this is the most extreme example of two guys who have been in the foxhole for decades and they still love each other.
1: Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I did love just getting to some of like getting to Bloomington stuff. I loved Jay's answer of like, you know, Keith Smart, like he had our spot, like we were coming for his spot because we knew he, if he was playing, we weren't and we were coming for it and they weren't afraid. They were, they were, aggressive and ambitious and they had a swag about them that obviously was instilled because of the success they had together more success than anyone's had in the high school ranks in indiana or as much as anyone has had i think one other team did a three-peat you know back in like the 30s
0: was it well no. remember it was um odin and conley did too they corrected me but
1: that's not single class i don't count that
0: Oh, okay. Okay,
1: great. There's only one other that did it in single class. Franklin,
0: the Franklin hot dogs, the Franklin
1: five. Exactly. So I don't count the, the Odin and Conley. It's not the same thing in my opinion, but I just love the, like we were coming for it. And, and obviously, and we'll get into it more in part two, it affected his relationship with Keith because Joe Hillman was their guy. Right. You know, and the team became a really good team when it was Joe Jay and Lyndon playing together. Yeah, and that happened halfway through their freshman year and into the sophomore year, where they win the Big Ten. And we'll get into that because that's really the story of, of Coach Knight being at his absolute peak, Jay being at his peak, Lyndon being at his peak, and really that '89 year, you know, '88, 80, '89 that really was the peak of that era because then, of course, Jay left. Lyndon was still there. But then here comes the Cavalry with the Calvert years. Yeah. And so things changed. The, that era was a two-year era.
0: Yeah, that was the high-water mark in between, let's say, Alfred and Cheney.
1: Yes. And, and I'll go back to something I said during the podcast. When you and I were there for last year's game against Purdue when Coach Knight came back, of all the luminaries from IU past... Isaiah Thomas, Scott May, Quinn Buckner, A.J. Guyton. I mean, like, you know, the list goes on and on who was there. Seeing Jay Edwards walk onto that court to pay respect to Bob Knight, knowing how that ended with those guys, was to for me the most special of the former players being there and the best tribute to Knight that you could possibly be. I have to imagine, and we'll get into it more with Jay in part two, that that was... A, a really emotional kind of big moment for him to come back to Assembly Hall in that moment.
0: It's easy for all these players who survived Coach Knight and really thrived with Coach Knight, and then went on whether it be in basketball or in other aspects of their life to be a, a grand success. To be like he was the guy. He taught us how to be a man, how to to be a human being, how to be just a good person out into the world and and a hard worker but for the guys who didn't get through there unscathed. And, and like you said, hopefully we'll, we'll really hear why Jay felt it was so important he be there. But we know from our time talking with Sharon Wilkerson how obviously that went south in his time there, but that he had a moment years later where he was able to reconnect with Coach Knight and Coach Knight was like, glad to hear you got things together but for sharon it was important to him to say hey coach i'm okay now i'm 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 becoming the man you were trying to get me to be then so we'll see i'm sure jay has a very different perspective on it but i i find that fascinating that even people who didn't didn't graduate or didn't go right into the pros successfully like an isaiah still feel that allegiance and and passion for that coach
1: totally and, and clearly it, it's it is a sign of respect of, uh, of the utmost respect um it was very cool listening to them talk about the high school years and what that meant and just kind of bringing that to indiana because they came in as high as you can possibly be and they came into a team that had just won the national championship and uh That's not easy. No matter how much Jay will say that like the transition athletically was easy. Mm -hmm. You had a nation of people that were expecting another national championship. And somehow in two years, they went from rebuilding to winning the Big Ten and being one of the best teams in the country. So,
0: well, that's back in the day when we reloaded. We didn't rebuild.
1: Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole again, <laughs> um, but we, we, you know, part two will be up uh, hopefully within the next several weeks. We'll get a part two going for you. Follow us on Twitter as always at Hoosier hysterics for the hysterics. No E, no I, but, but the sometimes, sometimes why and we will be back at you next week.